Welcome to the Calm Nights, Strong Days podcast. With over 30 years in the health and wellness industry, I've realized there's no one-size-fits-all solution for sleep and stress resilience. What affects one person's sleep and ability to handle stress is different for each of us. The stage of life you're in, work and home stressors, your DNA, genetics, upbringing, social life, and more all affect how your body handles stress and your quality of life. Join me as we explore a variety of tools, strategies, and solutions I've employed with clients over the years in solo episodes, as well as insightful interviews and experts. Together, we'll unravel more pieces of the puzzle, empowering you on your journey to calm nights and strong days. So let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode 32 of the Burnout Expert Podcast. Today I have with us Angela Gentile. So Angela has a burnout story that many, many of you will understand because it began with a decade-long teaching career that seemed it was she was destined in that career forever, she thought. However, there was a day where she was filled with tears on her way to work and it quickly escalated into overwhelming breakdown where um, with the following the, the sudden loss of her father, the life altering event, it led Angela to take a much needed medical leave and ultimately leading her to make the difficult decision of leaving behind a career that she once thought would define her. Amidst the turmoil of her anger, frustration, and grief, Angela embarked on this personal quest for healing, and she discovered this groundbreaking fusion of movement with neuro-linguistic NLP um, programming. And with this innovative method, she became it, this became the cornerstone of her teaching within what she calls her sweet remix movement community, where she empowers others to release the negative energy, traumas, grief within their bodies. So this is all supported by science. You know that I love the science backing and everything. So this is all supported by science. Angela's transformative process guides individuals out of their sympathetic state. So in that nervous stress state and into a resting parasympathetic state. She's used breath, movement, and other tools as well to teach her clients how to manage stress, cultivate self-awareness, and foster the confidence and courage necessary to embrace their desired lives fully. Angela's expertise has gained recognition with renowned platforms such as Bustle, Parade, and Medium. She has also been featured on various Boston, Massachusetts local news outlets, as well as numerous top-rated podcasts. Angela is also the host of her own podcast to Go Be Epic, the Go Be Epic podcast, which serves as a transformational platform for individuals seeking to revolutionize their bodies, mindset, and lives. So Angela, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my God, you're welcome. Thank you so much for that intro. That was beautiful. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. I know when we were first talking, like you spoke that that it was a teaching career that you thought would be your career forever. Um, teaching is 
I know it's interesting, as I was just saying to you, our last guest, myself, as well as last guest had to pull our kids from school because of our kids demands. And I've always said that the stress and pressures that teachers have on them mm-hmm. is astronomical. The amount of different kids that they have to accommodate into a class and the class sizes. And then also you get into all the political stuff as well in there. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, I just, I don't know how teachers manage. So let's, I don't think they do. That's the issue is that I don't think they do. I think it's just putting band-aids and duct tape on really, really big sieves and problems. You know what I mean? So yeah, I just don't, I don't think they do. So let's dive into that a little bit, just for people to understand from a teacher's perspective. Yeah. um, Um, What, what did lead to your burnout? I think there were so many things like I, 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 as much as I was like, you know, in this mindset when I was younger and graduated college in my early twenties of like, get a job and this is going to be your job for the rest of your life. I don't know if I ever necessarily thought that for real, but I didn't know that I had an option to think otherwise. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I I'm, I'm an elder millennial. I'm in my forties and I grew up with this like very distinct deference of do as you're told, like be a good girl, take care of people. Your needs don't matter. Everybody else before you and your worth is wrapped up in productivity. So if you want to be loved and liked and successful, you got to do more. You got to hustle. Right. So I think that that was overt and very submissive in my life, just as a, as a little side note. Um, and when I got into my career in teaching, it wasn't necessarily something that I was like, I want to be a teacher. This is my life calling. I don't think I ever felt that. It was just, I didn't know what else to do. And there wasn't anything around me at the time where someone was like, you have a big personality, baby girl. You're real creative and you like to inspire and perform and motivate people. It was like, go be a teacher. And I was like, okay, I don't, I really just want to like rent a van or buy a van like before van life was a thing. And I really just wanted to go and travel cross country and explore the world. But You know, in order to have a successful life, you have to go to college. You have to do this thing. You have to, you have to, you have to, you should. Mm. And I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I should. I don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't want to piss anybody off. So I became a teacher, not because I didn't love like motivating and inspiring, but I was just like, I guess that's what I should do. So I'm in my early twenties and I was like, I don't, I don't love this. I don't love this, but I was already in it. You know what I mean? I was already like neck deep in it. And I had a degree and I was tenured (laughs) and yeah. So I was like, I guess it must be me. That's the problem. Mm. Not the job for me. Right. Because I started to feel like this anxiety and this like anger and like this wasn't right. And I, I felt so overwhelmed by the tasks. I just remember I I started, I transferred into a new school with a whole new curriculum. I was 26 and it was just like, here's the stack of books. So it was like Weathering Heights. I was an English teacher, high school English teacher. So it was Weathering Heights, Oliver Twist, uh, The Tempest and Julius Caesar. And I, I, I can't, there were like 12 books that I needed to read within 
two months. And I was like, what do I do? And they're like, teach the books. I was like, but how? Like, I don't know how to do this. What? Teach them what? And they're like, figure it out. And then you figured it out. And they're like, yeah, but not that. (laughs) I was like, I have no guidance. And I just kept like failing over and over and over again. And it was like, well, you're not doing enough. You didn't do it right. And then I would be like, well, what what do I do? And they're like, figure it out. And then I do it. And it's like, you're not doing it right. You suck. You failed. And I'm like, well, what do I do? It was just this cycle that I got really frustrated with and I couldn't be creative in a way that served me that I was like alive with. Mm -hmm. And I just felt so like, like suppressed and wrong, like every day. And that started to weigh on me and it started to weigh on my self-worth because if everything around you, I was young, y'all, I was young and I'm just like wanting to fit in. I want, I want to be part of something. And I felt like I couldn't, I wasn't doing enough because I wasn't succeeding enough. So therefore I wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And years and years and years and years of that years, five, seven years of that, I was a mess. I was a mess. And I think this cycle was playing into this default operating system that I had around work hard, work hard, work hard. You got to be liked. You got to prove yourself. This is what you should do. You got to make it work. And it was a really toxic ecosystem internally that was fed by my outside environment that kind of kept the cycle going, you know, that's the thing. I actually, I have a coach. It's fascinating. and, And he does, he always says like how many situations can you talk about somebody who worked harder and harder and harder and still never made it anywhere still yeah. didn't impact on the world like we can all think of examples of that but yeah. it is our generation when we grew up it was this thing of you know go to college get a career and die and <laughs> that was it like work hard is what's going to make you successful it's not yeah. your passion No, no. And it was very much like, this is a meritocracy. If you do work, you will get rewarded. If you do this, you'll get rewarded. And it's not, it doesn't really operate that way. We're not, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And I do segueing into the teaching aspect as well. Um, for many that do listen, do know that I, I homeschool for a couple of different reasons. Um, but the one thing that I've really learned through homeschooling as well is just that there's, there's like one way of teaching in the school system. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are these oh, phenomenal teachers at times that can just child whisper and be able to figure out how to work these kids where they are kind of working through the system, but in their own way, but it is so hard to do because I I've seen so many teachers get their wings clipped because yeah. they want to do things their way in this way that is inspiring and works for them and, and gets everything out there. And, but the system is in place and it has to be the way the system needs it to be that quite often as well, this is with many careers where you go into a career as well with this vision, with this dream, with this goal of what you want to do. And then once you get there, you realize that that vision you have, you're hitting roadblocks all of the way every time that you're trying to make that impact with these kids or bring that creativity in you out in them, it's squashed in you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just, I got so tired. I was so angry because I felt like my gifts 
weren't being utilized. Yeah. I can do, I, you know, I, I, I am magic, you know, I'm not trying to be cocky here, but like, I am magic. I have a really beautiful ability to see people and inspire people and hold space. Like I see you, I hear you, you matter. Like that's a gift and not being able to do that and stifle that to teach the curriculum, which might not be applicable all the time in certain situations. I just was like, I'm done. I hate this. And rather than make a choice to say I'm done, I let it erode me. Mm -hmm. I let it, I let myself get angry because I was so resentful that I wasn't able to thrive and shine. And I, I felt very disempowered. Like, how could you do this to me? I felt like the whole system was doing this to me versus And I think that's what led to my burnout is that I kept going on this hamster wheel, running faster, doing more, carrying more, always to find myself in the same place. And I was like, this is, it took me, it took my father dying for me to have this like awakening of this is never going to change. And I'm burnt out because I want this to change. I'm burnt out because the way I'm operating and the way I have to, and I'm air quoting, the way that I have to operate here doesn't work for who I am now called to be in my 30s now, right? And it heading into my 40s. I was like, this isn't, this isn't working and I'm fighting against it and I'm burning myself out trying to change the system because the system is, is hard on me. It doesn't feel right for me. And what I realized through loss and grief was that that wasn't going to change. The only thing that I could change was my environment. And that's when I knew it was time to go. And so, yeah, we need to repeat some of the stuff that you did. Yeah, (laughs) sure. (laughs) We need to, because it is, it's that thing where we have this vision of what we can do when we get into jobs that can make change. I've seen this in first responders so much where they get into the job where they just want to save people. They just want to help people. But once they get in, there's so many um, red tape, red tape, right? There's all of these things that, that don't allow them to do things to their ability. That if we often asked the teachers, if we often asked the first responders, we often ask the people that are working right in the trenches of their job, what could what ways could we improve this for these people? The ideas mm-hmm. and the the information that they could have to make these changes that would be so beneficial for the kids, for helping people, for doing these things. Oh, would just be there, but you're often bumping into red tape, bumping your head. Yeah, like, because this want to make this change. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, to be fully honest, I don't really think that t- the system has any intention of changing. No, I think no. the, I think the system is designed to do what it does. It and is. until we start to revisit what we want the system to truly do, then mm-hmm. we can start fixing it. But I don't, I'm not sure. And I can only speak on my experience, but I, it, it, I don't know. I don't think it really has any intention of, of changing to Agreed. be honest. So we can, and, and, and that was my, that was my conclusion, which I was like, okay, if I continue to try to run up against a freaking steel wall, I am going to find myself broken, hurting in pain every single time. That steel wall is impenetrable. Cool. So why don't I just take my gifts 
and go use them elsewhere and make change in a different avenue because that wasn't it. Right. Not just your gifts, but your gifts and your dreams, your goals, your wants, your desires, right? Like, like so many people get into these careers with these goals, these dreams, these desires to make these changes and they can't. So where else can you do that? Yeah. That's what you did. But then there's also that fear of change. Yes. Yep. That's why I stayed for eight years. (laughs) Like I was so miserable for like eight years. So you kept bumping into this steel wall, trying to make change internally because you were afraid to break out another way and make change in another direction. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in myself. That's and and I think sometimes what ends up happening, you know, for me, I was very ill-equipped to enter the world as a as a as a woman with agency and boundaries and self-respect, I didn't have the tools to be able to stand in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And why it's not anybody's fault, but when we look around of how we got our skill sets, the people in my life didn't have, they couldn't give what they didn't have. You know, I'm the generational breaker, man. I'm the one who was like middle fingers up. We're not doing any of that. So I'm the one who had to go and cultivate that, you know, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, this is huge. This is huge. (laughs) Just gone through this as well. So this is the thing is that we do have these generational traumas. We do have these generational things. So like um, in my family too, there was a big lack of understanding of communication, Mm -hmm. right? Also, there was some generational things of um, with the not being able to communicate that comes with harsh communication and some yelling and some negativity and keeping you in a box when things are different and not liking change that there are so many things as well that if we start looking back and not in a blame way, I always say that our job, my job as a parent is to do better than my parents did. And that was their job and their job. It just depends on how much crap we keep trying to change that we need to eventually be that generation breaker, that, that mm-hmm. breaker of those trends and the way things are, yeah. um, which is fascinating that this podcast is happening now because the one that we did, I did just have as well talked about breaking our kids out of that school system and trying to find their, their light and where they shine and where they are um, yeah. and to bring that out in them, which is breaking generational gaps in exactly what you said when you started this podcast of you were taught that you went to college, you got this job, you worked hard, you pushed, you did things Mm -hmm. and like breaking that mold of doing things. So Mm -hmm. you did not have this belief in yourself. No. How did you change that? Because I didn't my dad, when he passed away, he, he died suddenly. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a reckoning moment for me that was opening. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't break me apart. It broke me open. Mm-hmm. And it, it made me have this emotional, physical, spiritual purge of all the things that I was holding onto that weren't mine. And I just had a yard sale. I just had a freaking yard sale. And then I was like, what? is all this what's mine 
what's mine to put back and and what what was given to me by force what was given to me subconsciously what what programming was i believing in that wasn't necessarily mine who gave that to me yes and and i knew that i couldn't work through grief with this old default can i swear yeah absolutely I prefer not no. yeah this shit i couldn't i couldn't use this shit that i was given you know it was it wasn't working anymore and i couldn't hold all of the stuff that wasn't mine anymore inside of me and the feelings that actually were mine. I didn't have space for grief and did, all the shit. Did you know what your feelings were versus the feelings you thought you had to have at the beginning? No, that's what I'm saying. There was just so much, there was so much happening that yeah. I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't function. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't go to work. My yeah. friends, God bless them because they had to come over. I was living alone and by myself that come over and like pick me up and put me in the shower. Like I was not functional. I was not functional and I wouldn't show up for work. I was like getting in trouble. And I was like, you guys, I'm not okay right now. Like, I understand that you want me to do this job, but then I was just like, fuck you because I need to be, I mean, I'm a human being who just had a major loss in my life. And you want me to function like a machine. I was like, I think there was a period there too, that I was like, no, no, I don't. That's not what I need. I can't do this. Fuck you. Like I can't do this. And I think as things started happening and I was like scraping just to survive, I was like, that's not nice. (laughs) That's not fair. I don't want to be treated that way. I don't. Cause I didn't have space to put up with it anymore. I didn't have space to be put treated like garbage. I didn't have space to be shit on one more time by administration, by parents. But I was like, I have nothing left. I have nothing left. And what I do have, I need to take care of me because I'm, I'm taking care of me and honoring my dad right now and his passing. And that is the only thing that is important to me. So I didn't have space anymore to, to be a punching bag. I didn't have space to like keep giving. I had nothing left. And I was like, wow, in my worst, darkest hour, I'm still expected to give right now. No, thank you. No, thank you. And I think setting that boundary and saying no was the first step that I took into reclaiming my power back and taking back my energy, my, my time, my money, my spirit, my gifts, because I no longer was willing to give that away anymore. And the more I said, no, how terrifying, but empowering at the same time, because I knew that what I was doing by like moving through my grief and setting these boundaries, like I stop. listen, I'm showing up at my job being like, I don't care. I knew I was leaving. I, I was, it happened, my dad passed away right around Christmas in December. So I used my bereavement leave. We went on the winter break and I came back in January and I was like, yeah, I'm out of here. I don't know. We're just going to figure it out. I started wearing sweatpants to work. I was like, I literally do not care. I don't care because I'm going to use the energy that I have to take care of me. And it was little tiny little middle fingers that I was doing, but it, it started to help me build back my agency and reprogram some of that default operating system of like, what are people going to think? Yeah. What are people going to think? Because you know what? People didn't care about me there. No. People didn't care about me. 
They didn't care about me. So why would I care what they think? They don't care about me to begin with. Who, like, who cares what you think about me now? Like, whatever. If you don't have grace and empathy in your back pocket to give to somebody, I don't have space for you in my life. I don't. You know? So that's kind of how it went down. Like, I was terrified to, to leave, but I know that I couldn't, I couldn't be in that environment anymore and be okay. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah. And... I have talked about this actually in some earlier episodes as well of when you're in a toxic workplace, like when to know to leave and mm-hmm. quite and, and the one thing I, I do say is to first get yourself out of the burnout if possible. Right. Yeah. The thing though, is that that's not always the first, like, it's not always possible. There are yeah. sometimes you can't just like rip it out and like Jerry Maguire style, like I'm out and like leave. Sometimes that's not possible. And you do have to put things in place. But I think the biggest thing that you can do to get out of that is mentally say, I'm done and give yourself an end date because then you can start working backwards around what you need. Right. You can start working backwards. Well, if I have six months, what do I need to do in that six months to be okay to leave? I didn't say great. I said, okay, you just got to have a little okay in you to be able to get out of the situation, you know? Yeah. And that's where too, when we're talking about toxic situations as well, is that sometimes when you're in that deep depth of burnout, you, everything is frustrating for you. Everything is short. Everything gets on, on your nerves. Yeah. Those are all the symptoms. Yes, Absolutely. The thing though, is that sometimes once you get yourself out of burnout, you like your job again. That being said, what I will say about teachers, and there are some other jobs as well, I don't know how teachers do it on a day-to-day basis. That some may be able to go back depending, that being said as well, like my one son's school, the administrative, the principal and stuff is just horrendous that I don't know how any of those teachers are surviving. The principal at my other son's school is like the most amazing supportive guy to the teachers whatsoever that at that school, you probably wouldn't have gotten into that deep of a, of a situation as well. Right. Who knows? Sure. Yeah. Who knows? It's, it really does come from the support and where you're at and being able to make those situations that there are times like your situation for sure, where it's like, yeah, I'm out, I'm done. I can't even the room to breathe, to even take care of myself. Yeah. Whereas yeah. some jobs, some careers, even some teaching careers may, depending on who the administration is, may give you that time and space to figure your shit out first, to get yourself back on track. Yeah. I think it depends. It's like, I think a question to ask when you're in your, in your burnout phase, like, is this for me? What do I like about this job? And mm-hmm. what do I not like? Because I think when you start getting really clear on your like, hell yes and hell no, that mm-hmm. that's going to like really deter any other situation from showing up in the same way. And for me, I realized that teaching in a school system yeah. was an absolute hell no for me. I was not meant to do that. So it's not like I was willing to go and find a new place because it wasn't, I didn't like teaching. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I actually hated it. And to be honest, I don't even really like kids. <laughs> you know, I don't. Yeah. I find them annoying. I, like, I just, I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to take care of other people's kids. I don't want kids. I'm done. I don't want to do this. Yeah. 
And so finding that out as well, like you may get into a career, but like you said, there's this expectation and, and when you, and, and burnout and everything can come from getting into a career that is not for you Mm -hmm. and feeling that because of all the pressures and everything that have been put on you and expectations that, that it would be wrong for you to leave this career because everybody says, Oh, why would you leave this? Why would you do that? If it's not for you and it wasn't for you and you get that, you're like, you think it's going to be something or you find out like for you that kids aren't even for you (laughs) teaching. Well, absolutely. Your stress is going to go through the roof, right? Like no matter how good a minute, you're going to be like this just for me. This isn't it. This isn't it. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's huge, right? The Mm -hmm. expectations of like who we're supposed to be as women, who we're supposed to be as people, what we should do as the job. Like these were all things that I was shedding Mm -hmm. while I was grieving because I didn't have space for it anymore. I couldn't like be this human being who like had it all together and could show up and take care of it, but I couldn't do it. And you know what? I didn't want to do it anymore. I wanted my life to be mine. And, 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 and I think all of those things that come up and burnout, the resentment, the anger, the like self-sacrifice, the anxiety, like I was sweating in my sleep, like just like all of these things that were happening. I, I was like, it must be me not doing enough in my job. And once I got to a place where I was like, yo, none of this is cool. None of this is okay. I was able to start looking at, well, what, what do I actually want to do? Mm-hmm. I let go of the expectations of who people wanted me to be. And I was really hyper-focused on like who I was called to be. And I found mm-hmm. that those two things were not in sync with each other, you know? And I didn't have space yeah. to show up as anybody else other than me. Cause I didn't want to dishonor my dad and his passing by not living the hell out of my life. I knew that this had, there was a gift here and the gift was to redirect and realign me into a life that I loved, not one that I should do because someone told me along the way that this is how I needed to act and who I needed to be. You know what I mean? So that was like the clarity for me to get out of the cycle of like hating my life, being tired, being angry. When I tell people that was who I used to be and they meet me now, they're like, really? Yeah. Like we can't, we can't see it. I was like, I know. Cause I'm happy. I'm calm. I don't do things anymore that, you know, sacrifice me. I'm actually like, okay in my life. And I have boundaries and I say no now, like it's a beautiful place to be. So, but there's a big gap between that place of realizing you need to start doing this, Mm -hmm. figuring out how the heck do I do this to where you are now? So how did you get there? Like what, what were your first steps fumbling, not fumbling? What were they? And how did you get out? I mean, the first step I did was make the commitment that said I was done. Yes. I was done. And then from there, I kind of made a, I made a plan. I was like, what do I need to have? How much money do I need to have? How am I going to find? Cause I was already doing like fitness and teaching classes in the background, but I was like, I'm going to full throttle with this. So I was like, what do I need to do to like transition and pivot? So even though I had, I mean, I wouldn't even call it like a plan because I didn't know anything about running a business. I was just like, I'm doing this thing with fitness and teaching classes and it's mindful. I'm going to do that. (laughs) I was like, 
I don't know how many more classes do I need to teach like clients, this and that. And I started like really spending my energy on getting those things done. So if it was a hundred percent teaching, I was like, okay, 80% teaching, 20% focusing on my business. And then it was 70, 30, then it was 60, 40. And then it was like a hundred percent focusing on my business. I'm just sitting at this desk Mm -hmm. because I don't, I'm done. I'm done. And yeah, so it was like a gradual, I think, plan that I made that provided me with control because now I knew that I was in control of my life. I was in control of where I was putting my time, money, and energy, which also built my confidence to say, okay, I know that I can do this. And because I was surviving grief, I was like, look how brave you are, courageous, getting up every day and surviving this. Like, girl, you could do anything. Like, what's the worst that happens? You lose money, you'll make more, you know? And I I switched my mindset. I really started looking at what was in my control. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody really has any control over how much money we make. That's a, that's a myth. That's a myth. Even if you're in a job that gives you a paycheck, you don't have control over that. They can let you go at any single day. What we do have control over is how we feel about ourselves, how much effort we're putting towards something, how much energy we're giving, where we're putting our time, our energy. So I started looking at like what I was actually in control over, how positive I was, how focused I was. And that helped me to really like be okay with the potential of financial struggle. You know what I mean? And I was okay with that. I was okay with that. And it was a risk that I was willing to take because I knew that I was always going to figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. And that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I do know that in your story, you took the things that you learned. So you did some NLP. Was it, um, so neurolingual, we stumble on this word. I don't know. Neuro, why. Neurolinguistic programming. I got you. No, I, got I don't you. know why. It's <laughs> one word I always, I know it. It doesn't roll off the tongue very easily though. I will say I that. I can spell it. I can't say it. So with the neurolinguistic programming or whatever. So you brought that into, so how did that play in your healing and how did that transition into you then using that to help others as well? Well, I think, I think it's like, as I'm practicing this, as I'm restructuring my mindset, taking me out of, I can't, I'm not, I won't, that, that immediately shuts down opportunity. You know what I mean? That isn't welcoming in problem solving. That isn't welcoming evolution. It is allowing you to sit like a rock in the sand, right? So when we start looking at the way that we're talking to ourselves, words carry energy, words carry vibration. If we shift that and, and just change what we're saying, we allow opportunity for possibility, for growth, for evolution versus if I'm saying I can't versus I'm challenged by this. Well, wait a second. I'm challenged by this now opens up solutions, possibility and growth. I can't just shuts it down and we walk away. You know what I mean? So allowing the the semantics of what we're saying to change, um, can be really powerful for opening up new doors and possibilities. So with that knowing, I allowed that to be part of my movement of what am I feeling? You know, what am I feeling in my body? Like practicing that embodiment of like what's coming up for me. 
because I, I was, I felt so much <laughs> that I oftentimes couldn't name, you know, was this anger, was this rage, was this sadness, was this grief, was this love? And I was like, okay, cool. It's everything. I feel everything all the time, but what was I feeling right now in this moment that wasn't serving me? And I was able to be like, oh, okay. This narrative isn't working for me that I'm stuck. I can't, that I'm never going to feel joy again. I have to let that go. I have to move that out of my body. I am using my movement right now as an opportunity to free myself from that toxic shit that's coming up for me, that's keeping me stuck, that's keeping me right here in this place that I don't want to be. And then where the neurolinguistic like reprogramming came is in meditation. Like after I would work out, I would allow like, okay, what do I feel now? What do I need? I have this. And it just allowed space for conscious awareness and connection within myself to be like, okay, what do I now need to do? What do I now feel? What's now going on? What am I now going to claim for myself? What actually is happening? No, baby girl, you're a badass. You're not a victim. You're not stuck. Like, look at you, what you just did. You just ran. You just did boxing. You just did this movement and you're powerful. Remember that. And that's what I would take away from my movement and, and go out into the world, you know, and I started bringing that into the classes that I was teaching with teachers, which it was about, what are we, what are we letting go of today? Oh, I feel worthless. I don't feel, I'm so stressed. Right. So we would allow space to let that go. We would move, let release it. And then every class would end with a meditation of like, Hey, you know what? You matter. Don't forget that. Teachers leaving this class being like, you know what? I do matter. My feelings matter. My needs matter. And they would lock the door and they would go home to their families. They would lock the door. They would go home. They'd grab their stuff. They'd get in their car and they'd go to the gym or they'd go to the whatever they had to do for themselves. And that was, I was like, wow, I really think I'm on to something. And that is what I was doing kind of behind the scenes while teaching is what led me to be like, I'm going to build this into a business. I literally don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it. I'm gonna figure it out because I can, because I can do anything. I can do anything. And that's just what I started telling myself. I could do anything. And here we are seven years later and I did it. <laughs> I completely bypassing the full seven years, but I hope that answers the question of what, you know, what you originally asked me. Yeah, absolutely. So bringing that, that neuro-linguistic programming I don't know why I stumbled on that word. So bringing NLP, NLP, NLP. So yeah, NLP just really changing yeah. the way thinking about things. The way that reprogramming of the way that you were taught to think growing up, the way that you mm -hmm. were taught that you do just you know work, go to college, get a job, work hard, mm -hmm. right? You reprogrammed that yourself, and mm -hmm. then you started bringing that into your fitness workouts into, Absolutely. into life and brought that into a business. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. amazing. So Thank empowering you. them. So they're still getting a really great, tough workout with you. Mm -hmm. and, but through that, they're also working on making sure that not just their body is coming out of it stronger, but also that they're mentally more empowered when they're coming out of it. That's it. That's it. Because if you're in this workout that's challenging you and you're like raging out, like that's the process, the Zen rage heal process, you know, Zenning and setting on that intention of like, what do I want to let go of today? You have permission to let that go. 
Cause it's, you're identifying that it's not serving you anymore. And like, once you decide that you're going to name it, you get control of it. Yeah. Releasing that from your body through the workout, right? Because when we're challenged and this, this goes across the board, whether we're challenged physically or we're challenged emotionally, you know, and triggered in our life, it, how we show up is how we show up. So if we're challenged physically and we can start making this connection of how our minds may or may not be speaking to us in that moment, then we can start to gain control of it. If you're being pushed and your body's like, you can't do this, stop it. And you do, well, then you're just feeding that narrative over and over and over again. But what happens when you're paying attention to it and your brain's like, I can't do this. And you're like, no, (laughs) absolutely not. Yes, I can. And you push through and you start gaining control of this narrative of what happens when you're challenged and you push through and you're on like through the discomfort. When you come out of that, the other side, you're like, huh, look at me, look at me doing hard things. Right. So whether it's burpees or whether it's a hard conversation or it's asking for a promotion, setting a boundary, walking away from something, the more you start practicing being in uncomfortable situations in a, in, in a fitness class, for example, Mm -hmm. you now build up the same resiliency that you need to go and do that in your life. So that's when it can be really profound and really powerful. Absolutely. And yeah, my background is as well as in personal training. And I do, as you're saying this, I'm remembering one client specifically where she was struggling with something. And I'm like sitting there in my mind going, I know she can do this, but mentally she thought she was weak. Yeah. And I remember sitting with her on the floor for probably 20, 25 minutes, talking her through it, talking her through what she's already done with me, like talking, she had forgotten all of the other things that we'd done in the gym and where, how strong she was and so many things for some reason, this one thing, she thought I'm not strong enough. And it was fascinating because to this day, and I'm talking like, I've been to her wedding. Her kids are like now in high school. We love that. We love that. But we, and, and I know like to this day, she will still tell people the story about that day, that one specific day where we sat yeah. And, and you she reminded her she's strong. And now yeah. she's like a crossfitter. She's like doing these crazy workouts. She's like uber fit, but the stuff she's accomplished in her life as well is yeah. phenomenal. Beautiful. And, and yeah. that's the thing, right? Like it's, there's so many things that we stop ourselves from doing, or there's two frames to this. We may stop ourselves from believing we can do certain things which does affect then what we're able to accomplish in a gym, or you do see some that do push really hard in the gym, but they don't actually relate that to their mental strength and their physical strength to be able to accomplish that and bring that outside of the gym as well. Absolutely. And I think that's why I created this because I realized sometimes like I was doing that, I would go to the gym and I would have like a freak out at the gym, like an emotional freak out. And people were like, what the hell's wrong with this woman? And I'm like, I'm grieving. <laughs> like Nobody knew what to do. And I would go to yoga and I'm like, fuck this. I can't sit still right now. I got all this emotion and energy surging through me. So yes. I was like, I am, I am like, I feel schizophrenic. What the hell's wrong with me? So I was like, well, wait a second. How do I combine all of this together? Because I don't, it's not like I need one thing. And I think sometimes that's what we forget. Like we go to the gym and we do this here. We go over here and we do this here. And what we're doing is denying ourselves the opportunity of the full human experience in real time. Being a human is messy. We feel things all day, all the time, all at once. 
And when you have like an emotional thing happen, and I mean, I mean, if we're adults, I could pretty much bet the farm right now that we're experiencing chaos and trauma and loss and pain and stuff happening on a daily basis in some way. Like just the the human experience is pretty, pretty wild right now. So if that's what we're experiencing and we're starting to compartmentalize, we're stuffing it down. Well, we, I think what's beneficial and why I've created this is to show up and feel it and be it all in one place. There is a permission to feel and be exactly as you are. And there's a way to honor it. Mm-hmm. What are we feeling right now? Messy, chaos, anger, frustration. I don't know. Great. Let's start there. Let's start there. Right. You don't have to check it at the door. In fact, I would love for you to bring it in. It's necessary that you bring it in and use your movement as a way to like understand that and use that. So it doesn't control you. You're controlling it. Cause if you go to the gym and check it at the door, guess what? As soon as you leave, you're picking it right back up again and you're going right back home and you're wondering why I feel just as crazy, just as anxious, just as shitty as I did before I did that workout. It's because you haven't done anything intentional with it. You haven't used it to your advantage to grow. You've said that that feeling mm -mm, is separate. No, it's not because your human experience isn't separate from your feelings. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. I feel like we could talk about this forever. Mic drop. Sorry. (laughs) I know. So we do be mindful of the time. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. One more thing before you go is that what would you say then to somebody that is standing outside the door, not walking in because they're, I don't want to say afraid. They're not ready. They don't feel that they are ready yet to feel the emotions or they don't think that they are feeling the emotions yet. They, they're, they're, there's somebody who stuffs them down. Mm-hmm. What do you say to somebody that doesn't freely emote? Yes. How's that working out for you? That's my question. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to force anybody. I will never force you. I will. I'm, I'm not. Nope. You will show up when you're ready. But my question is, if this is what we've been doing, this is that default operating system. This is what's leading to the burnout. This is what's leading to the anger, to the frustration. So how's it working out? If we continue to do what we're doing, we will get what we keep getting. So what you are actually asked to do right now that is uncomfortable for you, it's because you're being asked to do something you've never done to go to a place you've never been. So if you want that change in your life, the thing that you keep seeing that you're like, oh, that, that's what I want. Well, you, you haven't been there before and you can't get there until you do something that's different and challenging and uncomfortable. So maybe that is starting to have a conversation with yourself about what you feel. And you'll do that in your own way and in your own time. And that can be with anything until you do the thing that you're called to do. That's hard. You will, you know, doing that is going to be the catalyst to get you where you want to go. Otherwise, you're just going to stay right here. And The next question is, how much longer are you willing to do that? How much longer are you willing to put your dreams, your life, your goals, your health, your sanity, your joy on hold? And only you know that answer. Yeah. Mic drop. Mic drop. (laughs) Yeah. We, I, I think we do need to leave that there. I need people to go and rewind that honestly, because change sucks. It's uncomfortable. Um, You have to be vulnerable and you have to dive into places that you've never dove before, but that's Mm -hmm. where change happens, which is why people stay so stuck. 
Yeah. I mean, look, like you can do it on your own and you can feel empowered by it or the world's going to show you. The world took somebody that I loved for me to get my life together and for me to start having conversations with myself. And like, if I could serve as any testament that you have the opportunity right now to live your life full of joy with the people that you love while they're still here. Cause my dad doesn't get to see this version of me who was so in love with her life and such a good grounded human. He got a version of me that kind of sucked. That really sucked. And what sucks even more is that that's what I got to share with him. You know what I mean? So if, if anything I'm saying right now, you have an opportunity to really live the hell out of your life with the people that you love while they are still here. So what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Right. Especially like being a child or being a parent, right? Yeah. If you're a parent right now that your kids are seeing a version of you, is that the version you want your kids to see? As 100%. Well? 100%. All the relationships in your life take inventory. Yeah. Take and inventory. Your, your kids are not going to make changes unless they see you make the changes as well. Yeah. If they don't see you dive into your shit, if they don't see you oh, getting vulnerable and diving into places that you are scared shitless to go into because yeah. change is hard, right. then are also not going to change and yeah. grow and be the people and have the life that you would like your kids to have as well. And then we're just repeating the cycle and we're giving them the same tools that aren't working over and over and over again. We're just giving them the same toolbox that we're stuck in and that we hate. Which brings That's us it. back to the start of this that got you into your burnout full circle. Boom. Let's end it there. That's it. That's the end of the podcast for real. <laughs> So true. Cause I know we could go on forever. All right. So thank you. Definitely left her links in the show notes. Go to them. If anybody is listening, the quickest way that they can get to you is Instagram. That's, that's where I use the, um, the social media platform I use the most. So just Instagram me at sweat remix and let's have a little party. Let's chat. Let's chat. Absolutely. And there's so many, there's so many ways for you to join and, and get some of this magic, either whether it's one-on-one working with me, whether it's being, if that's not your jam, maybe if like that person that you were saying is like having a hard time kind of identifying the feelings, maybe you just show up at class. Maybe that's what you're ready for. The reason I do coaching is for people who are well, like ready to like, Hey, this has been coming up for me. I'm ready to tackle it because everybody's on their own journey. Right. So there's so many ways that we can work together and you guys can tap into this community because I'd love to have you. I'd love to have you. Amazing. All right. So go to the show notes, check. There are links. I think that Angela has a little surprise for you in the links as well um, down there. So definitely go and check and see what she has provided for you guys. And if you would like to connect with me as well, you can go to my links as well. They're also in the show notes. So it's burnoutexpert.ca for um, everybody and this podcast. If you're specific uh, first responder, 911lifestyle.com. And I will be seeing you in the next episode. Thank you all so much.